many confusions surrounding this, but this is not a parable. The Apostle John in verse 6 calls it a figure of speech. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them. It doesn't begin with the kingdom of God is like. Rather, Jesus uses an illustration, a metaphor that his audience would have known very well. It draws upon the truth of Jesus being the one portrayed as the true shepherd, the good shepherd, throughout the Bible. I want to note one thing. Over time, a, a metaphor can lose its meaning, its significance. And I believe that this has lost its significance over time. Why? It is because we have hallmarked this imagery. Meaning we have used this imagery so much around the season of Christmas, down to the birth of children, to Psalm 23 as being some sort of a ritual prayer. Because of this, the speaker or reader does not realize that a figure of speech is being used, and not to mention its inherent meaning is lost. In other words, we can call this a retired metaphor. By calling it a retired metaphor, it notes that it can be called back into service any time. Although I'm under the, the opinion that the rich meaning of this figure of speech used by Christ has lost its significance, and I dare say that it's time that we press the vivid picture of Christ as our shepherd back into service. For this story really stands alone. For the people of Israel are so familiar with shepherding. The first century hearers are not just understood shepherding and caring for a flock is just a job. I mean, here in the West, we just think of it as just a farming job, that we just have sheep and we tend our sheep and we feed them and we just kind of just leave them to themselves, to graze. But the first century hearers did not just understood it that way, but as also God in the Old Testament was portrayed or seen as the shepherd. They understood the meaning of shepherding and they found the biblical passages pertaining to God as shepherd very intimately. For they understood the importance of its meaning in relation to God and his care for his people. Here are some verses and passages I want to just kind of go over. Turn to Psalm 77, verse 20. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. A couple chapters and forward in 79, verse 13. But as for us, as your people and the sheep of your pastor, we will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Psalm 80, verse 1. O shepherd of Israel, give ear, you who guide Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth. Psalm 95, verse 7. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, 
Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah and as in the day of Massa in the wilderness. In Jeremiah 31 verse 10. Hear the word of Yahweh, O nations, and declare in the coastlands far away, and say, He who dispersed Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. And the importance of Jeremiah 31 is relating to the millennial kingdom when God will regather Israel. It's such a precious promise to the nation of Israel knowing that their shepherd will regather them. Yes, as we know, they have been scattered, but one day they will be regathered again into the millennial kingdom. And in Isaiah 40, 11, chapter 40, verse 11. Like a shepherd, he will shepherd his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in the bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. There are a host of other passages as well in the New Testament that depict the person of Christ as the shepherd of Israel. At the end of John's Gospel, we read that Jesus challenges Peter to prove his love after his betrayal. Let's turn to John 21. Verses 15 through 17. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And Peter, in his epistle, the first Peter, further illustrated this and by stating in first Peter 5, chapter, sorry. Yes, first Peter 5, verses 1 through 4. Let's turn there to read. Therefore, I exert the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, overseeing not under compulsion, but willingly according to God, and not for dishonest gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to you, but being examples to the flock. 
And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So the command that Jesus gave to Peter is the same command he is exhorting the elders whom he is speaking to, to do the same thing that the Lord has commanded me. And so we see here that at, at one time, and this is why I like to say as pastors that we are under shepherds, right? We are under the authority of Christ as our chief shepherd. And there's going to come a time where that's going to, we're going to yield that back to the chief shepherd. Let's go back to John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, our text this morning. I'll start in verse 1 and read through verse 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings all his own out, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will never follow, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This present text places us, the reader, smack in the middle of hostility. This forces us to understand the connection between the hostile enemies of Jesus found in the previous chapter, in chapter 9. You'll notice that there is no break from chapter 9 to chapter 10. Sometimes we get lost in our reading, we're just reading it and just flowing it right through, and we're not seeing the connection that is, that is there. It's the same people, the same scene, and the same setting, the synagogue. And Jesus is responding to the same event. In chapter 9, we see the story of the blind beggar in whom Jesus gave sight to. Jesus and the beggar were then both confronted by the leaders of Israel who despised and shown violent anger to both Jesus and the beggar. What, as we know, the leaders of Israel are not true shepherds. We'll, I'll note that later on. They were false shepherds who robbed the flock. They are blind. When the disciples spoke about the Pharisees to Jesus in Matthew 15, for not understanding his words, he replied to them, Let them be alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Now when we see what took place in chapter 9 with the same disciples, the Jewish people, the beggar, and the leaders of Israel, Jesus compares himself as the true shepherd. So what he's doing here, he's contrasting himself among the false leaders, the false shepherds. Turn to the end of chapter 9. We'll see this. Starting in verse 35 to 41. Jesus heard that they had put him out, and after finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believed, 
and he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, Are we blind too? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. I mean, I just love just the indictment that Jesus gives throughout the Gospels to the false leaders. But the greatest of Jesus being the true shepherd in the Old Testament can be found in Ezekiel 34. Let us turn there. And this is actually the, the backdrop to John 10. So here we having Jesus indicting the false shepherds with a prophecy given to Ezekiel in chapter 34. Starting in verses 1 through 9, we have an indictment on the false shepherds. Then the word of Yahweh came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. In verse 4, Those who are sickly you have not strengthened, and the diseased you have not healed, and the broken you have not bound up, and the scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you searched for the lost, but with strength and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for a lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field, and were scattered. So we have an indictment. This is their charge. This is what you have failed to do. You have failed to do these things. Then in verse 10 through 16, we have the antidote, the solution. Starting in verse 10. Thus says Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will seek my flock from their hand, and make them cease from the shepherding the flock. So the shepherds will not shepherd themselves anymore, but I will deliver my flock from their mouth. Verse 16. I will search for the lost. Bring back to the scattered, and bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd them with judgment. So we see here that he will deliver his flock. I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. I will care for my sheep. I will feed them in good pasture. But in verses 23 to 25, we have the result of this solution. Then I will establish over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will shepherd them. He will shepherd them himself and be their shepherd, and I, Yahweh, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, Yahweh, have spoken. Here Ezekiel is recording for us a prophecy of the millennial kingdom, that glorious kingdom we will long for, and who is going to take up, and who is going to take up this task? How can it be David, you may be wondering? For David lived long before this prophecy was ever given. What Ezekiel is sharing with us is what the son of David, our Messiah, one day he will be the shepherd who will not gather his people, who will not only gather his people, Israel, but also from other nations, Gentiles, and under them and usher them into this new kingdom where there will be one shepherd Ezekiel 34 gives a sharp contrast to what's happening in John 9 and 10 between the false shepherds of Israel and Jesus being the true shepherd. The Pharisees were false shepherds who only had one goal in mind. Jesus states in Matthew 23 that they had seated themselves 
on Moses' seat. They took something that wasn't theirs. They were false shepherds. This prophecy is fulfilled by Jesus. Now that I've given you some information as to what's going on, let's look at our scripture reading, starting in verse 1 of John chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. This opening alarm Jesus begins with, begins with truly, truly. And when you see this statement in John, stop. Observe what is being said. This is an alarm going off. This is, a, this is of striking importance. The antecedent you is found in the Pharisees in the previous chapters that we, the previous chapter of, of, of nine that we just read. We see here that Jesus is speaking of the leaders of Israel as false shepherds. They are thieves and robbers who have no rights over the sheep seek to destroy. And on this point, I want to kind of bring about something that what the Pharisees did and something that I've looked over is that they created nine tragic flaws. One, they created new laws continually that needed to be invented for new situations. Two, accountability to God is replaced by accountability to men. Three, it it reduces person's ability to personally discern. Four, it creates a judgmental spirit. Five, the Pharisees confused personal preferences with divine law. Six, they produced inconsistencies. Seven, they created a false standard of righteousness. Eight, they became a burden to the Jews. Nine, it was strictly external. These religious leaders of Israel did not seek the well-being of the people. They are the ones who have burdened the people of Israel by adding upon the law. And in return, restricted their access to God. They are, again, false shepherds who... Jesus greatly rebukes by calling them hypocrites who are full of deceit, destroying the people with a false doctrine. We see this in Matthew 23. A hallmark characteristic of a Pharisee is that they know what they say, but not do what they say. In Matthew 23, 3-4 states, Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on Ben's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to move them with so much as a finger. And I want to note, though, that just because we see false shepherds in the gospel does not mean that we don't have them among us in our midst today. They come with sweet words that sound Christian with some Bible verses, but just like the Pharisees, they, they come to lead us astray, to take us away from the true shepherd. Let's look at Acts 20, verses 29. And this is Paul exhorting the Ephesian elders. Verse 29 of Acts 20. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So we see here that 
again, in the book of Acts, Paul is exhorting the Ephesian elders to know that once I depart, they are going to come. They're going to, there's going to be people that come that's going to seek to scatter you. Rather than give life, they look to take our life. They are full of lies and destructive false teaching. Like the Pharisees, they are lovers of themselves. Now there is something else I want to look at in this text. Jesus mentions an important word. It is sheepfold. Some suggest it is the church or even heaven, but I would say that it's not. The shepherd wouldn't leave people out of the church. Why would he leave people out of the church? I mean, the church is where we come to hear the proclamation of God's word. For what a sheepfold is, is when the shepherd draws his sheep out. The sheepfold recorded here in this verse is Israel. The true shepherd came to the sheepfold of Israel to call out his own people out of Judaism into the glorious green pasture of the new covenant, salvation in him. Remember the scene, the blind beggar, the Pharisees, and to those who are present are standing and listening to these words. So they have understood what Christ was saying here. Christ is drawing a line in the sand. I am standing here and you will not listen to my voice. The blind beggar who you condemned hears my voice and has responded in faith. So we see this when Jesus said in Matthew 10 to the lost sheep of Israel. So in Matthew 10, Jesus sends and commissions them out to go to the lost sheep of Israel. And in in Matthew 10, what we see here is that the lost sheep of Israel are those whom the false shepherd has scattered. They are lost. And he is commissioning them and bringing the good news of the gospel that they may respond in repentance and faith. So to make this clear, turn to verse 16 of John chapter 10. And I have other sheep which are not from this fold. So we see here there's there's a contrast between the fold that we see in, in 10, verse 1, and what we see in verse 16. So what is this other fold? It is the Gentiles, us, who are not the Jew. Jesus has come to seek and call out the people from the world, to seek and save that which is lost. He has come to search for the lost sheep, those who are, whom are his. In this illustration, Jesus is speaking of two folds. There are not two churches or two heavens, only one church and one heaven. This is consistent with what we just read about in Ezekiel 34, verses 23 through 25. The fulfillment of the kingdom when the true shepherd will gather Jew and Gentile from the nations. Starting in verse 2. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd comes in by the door, for he is the door. Verses 7 says, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. In verse 9, I am the door. The shepherd of the sheep is allowed to come to the door. That is, he has the rights, the privileges, and the authority over his sheep. We see this authority in verse 18 of John chapter 10. No one takes it away from me, but from myself I lay it down. That is his life. I have authority to, authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. 
So one thing to note here, a, a, a sheepfold in, in, during that era of time, in Jesus' day, is they, the shepherd would gather his sheep at night and lead them into the sheepfold. And he would hire a hireling to watch over the sheepfold so that nothing would come and steal the sheep or wolves, etc. In the same sense, as we read about with Peter, Peter is saying, what John is saying, sorry, what Jesus is saying to Peter in John, in John 21 is that you are also an under-shepherd. So what we see is that we as elders or pastors, we, that's what we are. We are hirelings. We are to watch over. We are to take guard over Christ's sheep. That is our role. That is our duty. In one sense, the, the shepherds or the Pharisees, and they come from a long line of, of shepherds of, and whatnot. They were to do this very thing, but they failed to do this. They failed in their task as a hireling. This thing gives us the truth that Jesus has the rightful place to call his sheep and call them out of the sheepfold. Why? Because he has fulfilled all messianic prophecy. He has demonstrated through mighty works in verse 25 of John, and we read, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe the works that I do my Father's name. These bear witness of me. That he is the Son of God. He came forth from God as God in the flesh. John 1, 1. To which he is now calling his sheep out of the fold of Judaism into the glorious green pastures and the still waters of salvation. Not only to them, but he's also calling us out as well, the Gentile from the fold of paganism. For he comes to give life and life abundantly. In verse 10 of John 10. He is the door and those who come through it will be saved. He gives eternal life and they shall never perish. John 10.28 states, And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish ever. And no one will snatch them out of my father's hand, snatch them out of my hand. So starting in verse 3, verse 4, we read, To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The doorkeeper opens the door and calls out his sheep by name. This is, this, when, I've, when I've read this, when I was first saved, this just warmed my heart to know that he calls us out by name. In other words, we could look to Lazarus, right, in the, gospel, in the Gospel of John. Lazarus, come out. What Jesus is saying here is to the, to the saints of Calvary Baptist, Come, I bid thee, come and die. I am calling you to me. And if you are his sheep, you will respond to that call of salvation. Gloriously, looking upon him. So the psalmist says that we will taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? A shepherd during those times, as I, as I shared with you, would know his sheep from top to bottom because he would spend every hour with his sheep. John Wesley states, Real Christian, hear, listen to, understand, and obey the voice of the shepherd whom Christ has sent. And he counts them his own, dearer than any friend or brother, calls, advises, directs, each by name, and leads the mount in the paths of righteousness besides the waters of comfort. 
And this is why I think it's time that we unretire this metaphor. Understand what this means, the significance of this. He is our good shepherd. This is what he does. He takes care of us. So the sheep would know their master's voice because they would hear it all the time. They got used to it. And I would ask you, are you used to the voice of your shepherd, Jesus Christ? Is it when you hear the proclamation, the word of God being proclaimed to you, do you rejoice in hearing it, wanting more of it, desiring it, day in and day out? Are you studying the word of God? I pray this for myself. I pray that as you look upon a past, you not just assume, encourage them, exhort them as well. He knows who are His, for they are written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. As you read in Ephesians chapters 1, verses 3 through 14, what a comfort it is for us to know that the Father elects, verses 4 through 6, and then 7 through 12, the Son redeems, 13 through 14, the Spirit seals us for the day of salvation. The security in our salvation should be enough to comfort us as we go through trials in life. The true shepherd has come to call out the Jewish people from the fold of Judaism and the Gentile people up from the fold of paganism and enter into the pasture of salvation. The true shepherd knows his sheep, he calls them by name, and the sheep knows his voice, and they follow him, and he leads them. This is salvation. This is called being born again. He calls them out, and leads them, and guides them. Why? For we know his voice, and are called by him. This is an irresistible grace, a grace by which God saves a sinner, that which cannot be resisted, and becomes saved. We see this in Philippians 1.6. Peter says to, sorry, Paul says to the church of Philippi that he who has begun a good work in you will see to it that it is completed. That is God. God will see to it. We are secure. As you write in, in verse 28 of John 10, and I give eternal life to them. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And I'll say one thing, if you could lose your salvation, we've already lost it. Satan would have already taken you out of the Father's hand, but we know that it's not true. And if anyone abandons their profession of faith, I would dare say that proves they neither had faith. I know a, a, a friend of mine who I, I, I greatly love. And he has fallen from grace. And I've exhorted him. I said, was your faith in God or was it in a man? Because if it is a man, that man's going to fail you. But we know the good shepherd will not fail us. Amen? As we are called and led by him, let our hearts be filled with great joy, beloved, that there can be nothing that can snatch us away from the Father's hand. No sickness, no death, no trial, no tribulation, and no false shepherd. None of these, none of these things can. 
For the true shepherd goes before us as our protection, because we are found and known by him. He knows our name. Verse 5. A stranger they will never follow, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. Now when a stranger comes, they will by no means turn and follow him, for they know his voice. For when, that, for when that stranger comes, they will flee. When we are born again, we are called out of the sheepfold of the world and filled with the Holy Spirit. A promise made to us by Jesus, the true shepherd, in John sixteen seven. Let's just turn there to read. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The role of the Spirit is to guide us in truth. A few verses down, in verse 13 states, But when he, the Spirit of truth, Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak from himself. But wherever he hears, he will speak and He will disclose to you what is to come. So through the Spirit, we are given a discernment to know what is of Jesus and what is not. We must nourish our souls with healthy teaching, studying the Word, so that we may know our Shepherd's voice, so that we become more and more aware of the strangers, the false shepherds, who clothe themselves as sheep, but are actually wolves that will come and try to lead us astray with false Teaching. I heard it once said that people who are loyal to false teachers don't know the true shepherd. I remember early on in my in my faith, I was six months as a, as a baby Christian, and and uh, I remember there was some Jehovah Witnesses, and they tried, you know, winning me over with what they were teaching, and it just didn't sit well in my spirit. For the Spirit of God was convicting me and revealing to me that what they are saying to me is not true. This, this can only occur if you are saved and are truly born again and filled with the Spirit of God. And as you are in your word, you will understand with what you hear from somebody is not true. Because it does not align to the Word of God. There are many that would say that if you... There, there's many false teachings out there saying that this is how you can study to know the voice of God. Well, I, I, will, I will tell you right now that the way that we hear the voice of God is through the Word of God being proclaimed to you. You can't be taught it. It is what's read to you through His Word. It, it's a theonoustos, the literal breath of God, as it is in Greek. Because we who have been called out of the full of the world of sin and death will not be led away by false teachers, the strangers that will try to lead us away. When they come and try to preach us to something that is false, we will flee. We will not sit underneath of that. And I want to say one thing. There's been times where I've been very overzealous for those who I've loved that are, have been in, submersed in false teaching. And I was not gentle to them. But I would say, though, that if you know somebody who is under deception, give, give them time. Befriend them. Open the Word of God to them. Show them. Ask questions. And try to lead them out. 
And if they are not willing to, then let them be. And then allow the Word of God to work in their hearts. Pray for them. What, what, what we are seeing, though, is that Satan is working to try to lead the flock astray. This is a, an area of attack and assault on the church of God. And we're seeing more and more of that today. We're even having some that we would say that is a brother in the Lord. But he is tiptoeing along the line of, of having one foot in the world. Adopting principles like critical race theory. That, that has no place in the church. We even have some pastors that are saying that, you know, it's going to take us a year to define if a woman could be a pastor. I mean, can we just simply open the Word of God to First Timothy and realize what Paul says? A woman is not to teach. We even have some, some pastors that are willing to affirm homosexuality from the pulpit. What a gross abomination. What, a, what an attack, assault on the Word of God. What we need to do as, as pastors, as under-shepherds, those who are under the authority of the chief shepherd, is to lovingly rebuke and to call out that sin. Verses 7 through 10 of John 10, as we are about to close out this, this message. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. It will go in and out and find pastor. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Coming to the last verses we will look at, we see here that Jesus further elucidates on verses 1 through 5. So Jesus said to them, again, truly, truly, I say to you. Again, another striking warning to Take heed to as to what I am saying. And why did Jesus have to do this? He, what he does here, he adds another word picture. And he says that I am the door. Right? In verse 2 it says, But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. So what we are seeing here is Jesus saying, I am the door. And this is comfort to us. We are not like the Catholic Church. Right? We don't have a priest that we have to come before to receive grace. We have one shepherd, one great high priest that we can come before. And we see this in Hebrews 4, verses, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. I'll just read it real quick for us. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us take hold of our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things like we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. We are able to come to the chief shepherd. We are able to 
who come to Him. We have access to Him because of the blood that was poured out on the cross. The veil has been torn. We can now enter into the Holy of Holies. So what Jesus is doing here, He is also making a claim of deity. Another I am statement. And this links to the revelation of God in Exodus 3.14 when Moses is standing before God and Moses is saying, Who shall I say that has sent me? And God says, Tell them, I am has sent you. This is the name of God. This is a standalone description. I am is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency. Does not, he does not need us. He's not deficient in his character. He's self-existent, meaning, he, meaning that he's not dependent on anything. And he's in an immediate presence. Always here. His claims of deity steered up first anger among the Jewish leaders. We also see this in John 8, when he also makes another I am statement at the end of John 8. And they picked up stones to stone him. We also see here in, in John 10, they, they said to him that these are not the words of someone demon possessed. So they've accused him of attributing his works to Satan. And because he was claiming himself to be God, in which he is God, this is what led them to arrest him, and they which tried him and brought him to Pilate for a sentence of death. And we know by his death and his resurrection brings security of life to his sheep. So as we close this morning, let us hold to the truth we went over today. That God has sent the true shepherd, Jesus, to call us, his sheep, from the fold of this world to deliver us from sin and death. So that upon repentance we receive eternal life. The sheep who are elected by God from eternity's past will respond to his powerful voice in true repentance. And they will gladly receive him as a true shepherd. By no means will they follow strangers be led astray. And I ask of you today, do you know him as your, as your true shepherd, as your good shepherd? And if you do not, I encourage you to cry out in repentance. And he is there to receive you as his own. I just want to close out by saying that one of my favorite hymns is titled Green Pastures by Fernando Ortega. The words of this hymn encapsulate this portion, portion of scripture well. And it goes, Troubles and trials often betray us, causing the weary body to stray. But we shall walk beside the still waters with the Good Shepherd leading the way. Those who have strayed were sought by the Master. He who once gave his life for the sheep out on the mountain, still he is searching, bringing them in forever to keep. Going up home to live in green pastures, where we, will, where we shall live and die nevermore. Even the Lord will be in that number when we shall reach that heavenly shore. We shall not heed the voice of a stranger, for he will lead us unto despair. Following on with Jesus our Savior, we shall all reach that country so fair, going up home to live in green pastures. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have bought us 
by your blood. That you call us by name. And that we are one with you. We thank you for your saving work. And I pray that we will not be led astray by false teaching. That our hearts will be saturated with the word of God. That our desire is to live with an eternal mindset. Mindset, Looking onward to the appearing of our blessed hope. As Peter cries out in chapter 1 verse 13 of 1 Peter. May that stir us, stir us up into good works among one another. That as we are laboring here on earth. Knowing that one day our final rest will come. Where you will gather the Jew and the Gentile and bring them into one fold. And in that kingdom you will sit upon your throne, Jesus Christ. Where there will not be night, but there will only be day, for your glory will be our light. As we go out from here today, I pray that that our minds will be saturated in the Word of God. I would encourage this body to know they have a great shepherd, an under-shepherd in Anthony. I pray they will not neglect that service. Be with us this morning as we go off from here. It's your name we pray. Amen.